2: What's up, guys? Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer right now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit or withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. To receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free. $200 in free bets instantly for a limit time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: ...as the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Great crossover. Got him. Just
2: Fournier.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's called getting put on skates.
2: Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win.
1: The show by the fans, for the fans covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the D.C. Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of D.C. Crossover right here, episode number 74. You may be hearing us live on The Contender right now on Tuesdays at noon, Or you might be catching the show in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you consume... Your podcast. We are glad to have you with us. This is the show. If this is for some reason your first time listening, I mean, we've done seventy-three of these, but maybe you stumbled <laughs> upon us. The way this works is we try to jump around to the different DC sports. We don't just focus on one area. Um, we try to be multifaceted here on this show and give all the teams their due, depending on the seasons and all that. And on this episode in particular. We're gonna give a lot of time to the Washington football team because Mike, as I welcome in my partner Mike Saron, Mike, it has been uh, a long time coming. This it's every football off season feels like it takes forever, and then we finally get back into the swing of things. Preseason games have been going. Uh, the The Washington football team just played their first preseason game. It's it feels nice to have football back on the TV.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I was watching the game on Thursday. Like you mentioned, it, it was just nice to see football being played and some fans in the stands. And that's the biggest thing is when you're looking at this whole entire football season, everyone, I think, is going to have some type of excitement for it because of the sole fact that last year, you know, they were playing in empty stadiums and a couple teams were playing in, you know, makeshift stadiums and different stuff like that because stadiums are getting opened and then this and that and all all this kind of jazz. And, you know, seeing these type of games being played – uh, for the preseason, also with this new preseason format of only three games, right. I think everyone's excited about that as, as well because the sole fact that that fourth preseason game is garbage. Uh, so, honestly, I was kind of surprised. Uh, just to make a quick note, I was kind of surprised that the most of the starters only played a little bit of the first quarter for the WFT because the sole fact that you know you would think that. They would play maybe a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half tops. And then next next game, they come out and play a whole half or something like that. Because obviously the third game, you m- most likely are sure they're not going to play that, that much at all. So yeah. I don't really know what's going on with that, but we'll get to that. In, yeah, it's, that it's, it is
2: interesting to see how teams are navigating this three-game preseason. Like you said, right. I mean... um I thought we might see a little bit more Fitzmagic out there. Uh we saw I mean he played pretty well. It was a short game. I mean he did it's not like he played that long. He did get a pass to our boy Terry McLaurin. Um and that's always good. You see some of the starters hook up for for a play there. Uh, obviously Dustin Hopkins uh with a miss. Ooh. Uh, kind a of a couple of misses. <laughs> continuing the trend, the the bad yeah. trend uh from from the previous season. So, I mean, there's it's one of those things where you tell yourself a hundred times, don't take the preseason too seriously, yeah. but then also part of you takes the preseason a little bit seriously. You know, right. like, like yeah. there is always going to be part of me that will see a play here and there and go, man, that's, that guy stinks or like, God, that, uh, I don't know if this guy's going to be good this year and all that stuff. Right. And obviously none of it matters, but it can worry you sometimes.
0: Well, I started laughing, too, because I had it in our picks uh, that the WFT were going to cover the two-point spread, and then all of a sudden, uh, well, I made that pick, obviously, thinking that Kyle Allen was going to play, because one of my main reasons was the depth (laughs) at quarterback and stuff like that, Um, and all these guys are, quote-unquote, competing. At least Heineke and Allen were competing with each other for that two spot, so I thought they were going to go out there and try to ball out, and then we have this guy out there who's Throwing two-yard passes, Montez or something like that. Montez, yeah. Whatever that guy is (laughs) or whoever he is. And I'm like, uh, well, I think I texted you. I was like, well, I lost this bet, and it was like a halftime. And I was like – because it was a close game at that point, but at the same time I was just like, man, this kind of sucks because I knew I took a chance on doing that. But at the same time, just like I mentioned earlier, I thought they were going to play a little bit longer than like two series. Uh, And, of course, you know, they go down there, and Dustin Hopkins misses a field goal, and it's just like, okay, great. Um, but uh i mean our our defense looked uh ph- phenomenal to be honest with you so that right. was really nice to see right but real, real quick before we get into the into the football right. i wanted to i wanted to mention have you heard about the the PGA superstore
2: i have i have heard i was it's funny enough i was just looking at it at it uh the other day online um i saw it's got the uh the simulator i, swerved, bays, the way. I just swerved got, in there <laughs> it's got the uh, putting green have you gone yet
0: so i went yesterday actually oh okay okay and, was that the uh, opening yeah, it was the opening. It was packed. They had the DJ um,
2: there, I heard, and all that stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was. It, it was. I mean, it's a pretty big store. Um, and I forgot what was there before, but it's it, it's kind of a cluster over there, anyways, because there's so many things, car dealerships left and right, and it's just it's just a a mess over there. But right. it was actually a really nice store. It would really piss me off, though. I went with a buddy of mine, and what really pissed me off is the whole entire fact of a store opening. They always have those uh, grand opening sales and stuff like that. They had this hybrid um it was a callaway hybrid i believe and it was a really nice hybrid and, I, and i'm thinking about getting the new one and stuff like that and they said oh yeah grand opening sale it's going to be only 99 and in, in retail it's 270 and i was like man that's a great deal Ooh, i said "I'm, I'm a I'm thinking sick of it. deal yeah i was like man i'm gonna look at that literally we went right to the rack where it was located Two hundred and seventy dollars, no deal whatsoever, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like they they wrap you in these little like these little pamphlets, and then all of a sudden they have no deals whatsoever except for like used clubs. I'm like, I don't want this this you know tailor-made driver from 2009 you know to be the only thing on sale you're having this grand opening put tons of things on sale and they had it it was laid out kind of weird too like this section was lefties and this section was all the women clothing and they had juniors in the back and they didn't have any directions and all the I mean they had some cool bays that had like the simulations and all that kind of stuff yeah I
2: saw that I saw the bays I I,
0: I didn't know if it was like free to go in there and like there was no one there to ask it felt like there was like a lot less workers than they should have been
2: yeah I saw some thing online that said you can pay $150 and that gives you unlimited use of like the simulator bays and everything for like a year or something like that um yeah. I don't know what I mean you would assume on their opening day they would let people use it for free but uh I think I saw that I think I saw that it's like you pay some some rate and it lets you come in anytime you want and use the, the simulator base just like you would if you were going to like if you were paying uh, for a membership at uh you know, not not not. I mean, VGC is one where I paid like a hundred bucks and you get right. uh, you know free use of their TrackMan or whatever. But um, no, it's cool. I mean, a, a PGA Super Store in the area. There's not that many really good golf stores. There's Golf Galaxy that, that just moved locations. I believe. Whatever. It's a, in it's a Fair Oaks Mall now. Yeah, so they've got. But th- besides that, that's really it. I mean, for for golf, golf fans and Tyson's. Here. Yeah, golf yeah, it's true. Tyson's has that one. Yeah,
0: but it, it's, it's that's the thing though, is that I mean, Golf Galaxy. I thought that was a really nice store because I went in there t- and I got. Because I had a, a few Dix gift cards, and I actually had um, – I'd never been there before in Ferox Mall, and they actually are combining the Dix and the Golf Galaxy. So, you we know, it's like just a ginormous store, wow. and it's actually really nice in there. Uh, but this is PJ Superstore, like you mentioned. Is There's not a lot of golf stores out there, so it's nice. But it, I mean, it was packed, obviously, because it was a grand opening weekend, but when you look at it, I just get pissed off, man. I just want the deals. <laughs> you know, I just want the damn he deals, just wants the man. Deals. He's a deal hey. guy. Well, yeah. they they they, have, they have buckets of balls that cost $4 a ball. Oh. I mean wow. it, like like those you know, you know the thing is a Callaway ball that looks like a soccer ball that Rick, Ricky Valley yeah, yeah, uses. Yeah, yeah. Like they're like like, Oh, three ninety nine each. I said, oh, what? I'm not gonna pay four dollars for pay Four dollars for, for the ball in the woods,
2: you know? Like <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get whatever the cheapest ball there is because I mean I mean, I'm losing those balls. He's a top flight kind of guy. Exactly. I mean those balls are not lasting very long. Maybe they <laughs> last the round. There's no way they get past two rounds, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it, for those locally here, obviously this is a DMV-type show, with DC right. Crossover, so um, if you are a casual golf fan or you're interested in getting into golf, uh, I mean, th- it's a great type of place to go check out and maybe... You know, even s- swing on the simulators and stuff. I haven't done that yet, but I think that would be a fun thing to do. I'd be yeah. a little nervous to swing in the simulator, like in a store, because like oh, people are watching. I know people are definitely watching, and I mean, I don't have the swing that I want people watching at all.
0: There were a few hacks in there. I was, I was like, dude, why are you trying to swing with like a sim max driver, and you, you literally need a, a beginner set. I would like, like bre- g-
2: accidentally break the head of the driver or something, then uh, <laughs> then they make <laughs> me pay for like seven hundred dollar driver or whatever.
0: serious you know what's funny too is now I think about. It, it, is that you know how frowned upon it was to have the highlighter balls back in the day and yeah. stuff like that where everyone's like oh my gosh you have a highlighter ball that's right playing, it, you know, everyone was jumping. like
2: oh you're like what are you playing mini golf or whatever yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> and now all of a sudden they have like these vice balls and this ball and this oh, ball yeah. that are all they have like they look like soccer balls and they look like uh you know, you know they're red i mean i've pink, used some of them stuff. i
2: have some of the highlighter green ones yeah
0: Well, it's funny how how they used to be frowned upon, and now all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, it's the cool thing to do." It's like, like you said, are we an old pro golf? Yeah, it's like I have them (laughs)
2: because I need to be able to find my ball. Like that's why (laughs) I have them. It's not nothing about being cool. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, let's get into the crossover. A lot to talk about on this episode today. Uh, most of the time will be spent on the Washington football team. Uh, another positional preview episode. On today's show, we'll hit up the wide receivers and the tight ends. Before we get to that, though, let's talk a little baseball The first.
1: Washington Nationals.
2: Just briefly... I don't want to spend much time on it because it's depressing. The Washington Nationals, uh, they've really kind of fallen off the rails at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, it's one of those things where we knew they were going to get bad because of all these trades and getting rid of your best players. Obviously, you're going to not be great. Um, But I guess we didn't really think... They were going to be this bad. Uh, 15-68, they've now fallen to last place in the NL East. That means they are technically worse than the Miami Marlins. Uh, They're 12 games back, and uh, it could be a lot worse. I mean, the division's been so bad. uh, Only being 12 games back and being the last place team is kind of crazy. But uh, sweep by the Mets, sweep by Atlanta, 4-19 in the last 23 games. Mike, there's very few bright spots on this team right now there's very few reasons for casual Nats fans to turn on the TV right now but Josiah Gray is one of those bright spots do you agree
0: yeah I I think that Josiah Gray and even though he didn't win that matchup I think that looking at his stat line while being with the Washington Nationals is very impressive I mean three games started under a three ERA which he also played two games against the first place Braves now uh, that you're looking at the Braves and, like I said, yes, they don't have Acuna, but they have Freddie Freeman, and they got Ozzy Albie's, and they got these different types of players that are out there in that lineup that can hit the ball around. So when you see him go out there and have an under three ERA with the Nats, I'm not, you know, I'm not going back to the Dodgers and stuff like that because you never know about them. They could he could have pitched two games. I don't, I think it was against the Rockies and the Giants, um, but mm-hmm. I think he only started one of those. Um, but looking at it with the Nats and with this horrible. Uh, lineup, you could say, a horrible lineup. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's bad. <laughs> he's not really getting too much run support. Obviously, in that game uh, this past Friday, I believe it was, he it, he had a two nothing lead. Uh, go, but that was going in the sixth inning, and two runs is kind of hard to against a Braves team uh, to hold that lead. So when you look at it. 2.8 ERA, uh, just over a one whip, which is a 1.06, which is still pretty darn good. Solid. Um, 18 Ks, which he had 16 in the last two uh, outings. So when you're looking at that, that's pretty solid. And I think I mentioned to you before that the only thing that I could critique him on is the long ball. And that's the thing is he's had five home runs in three games. Uh, but most of those, I think, have been solo shots. Uh, so when you're looking at it. Yeah, he is letting up those home runs, but everything else has been solid. And using that, I mean, when he's throwing really fast, you know, when he's throwing upper 90s, it's kind of easier to hit home runs if you can make contact with the ball. Because obviously with that velocity coming in, you you don't see a lot of home runs getting hit off of Levon Hernandez or Bartolo Colon who are are throwing 89 (laughs) miles an hour. So when you look at it, that's the biggest thing that I'm a little bit worried about. Um, But he's still 23 years old, and these three starts have been very, very impressive in my mind.
2: Yeah, I got to think that uh, a lot of that is location. And, yeah. and uh and I think that will come with with some more um, maturing and and more work at the pro level and that sort of thing working with professional pitching coaches um because yeah i, I agree the long balls the only thing that and and Neither of us are saying like we're that worried about it. I mean, we dealt with Max Scherzer, who gives up the long ball. Uh, he, he's the king of solo shots, and he's right. Max Scherzer, Hall of Famer. So uh, I think Josiah Gray is one of the few bright spots, especially now that Joe Ross is now down for the count, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Great. Could even be looking at maybe even Tommy John, you know, I believe again, because I think he's had it once already. But um, See, it's
0: a, but it said 10-day IL, which made no sense to me, because I was like, if right. it's a tear, why don't you just shut him down? Yeah, because I mean, there's
2: I a 60-day IL, and, and I guess maybe they don't want to I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but it doesn't seem like Joe Ross will likely be pitching again this season, probably. Mm -hmm. So uh, there goes one of the two guys we were enjoying watching pitch were Joe Ross and Josiah Gray. Now Josiah Gray is the only guy left there, and the Nats are left with a pretty bad pitching rotation. Bring in Paolo Espino. Oh, yeah. He pitched today and did not do great. He didn't do horrible, but he still, he's not... A, a legit major league starting pitcher uh Patrick Corbin stunk it up again I mean I don't know what the point is of of marching Patrick Corbin out there on the mound every yeah. fifth day and have him just stink up the joint uh and, and then besides that there's you know the Eric Fetties and, and and all that sort of stuff there's not a lot of pitching depth on this team right now uh right. so it's a little ugly it's and it's gonna be ugly for the rest of this month and next month uh bef- until we can get out of this season right now because it's brutal Mike it's brutal I mean 18 games under 500, last place in the division, and really no positive signs besides Josiah Gray. And then hopefully, maybe bringing up a guy like Keibert Ruiz could be fun. I know, uh, what was it? Lance Thomas is one of the guys they got in the trade, and he had a couple hits today uh, in the Cardinals trade. It might be Lane Thomas, Lance Thomas, something like that.
0: L. Thomas. Yeah, who knows? Who yeah, knows? They call him LT. Yeah, I hope they do.
2: They do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's it, the only quote-unquote bright spots are basically just watching the guys that we haven't watched all year, and hopefully that they get hits. Well, Juan that's the thing. Soto hasn't been that great either.
0: Yeah, well, that's I, that's also the thing too. Is that I think Juan Soto, especially when we always talk about you know protecting your best player as the number three hole or number four hole, whatever it may be, wherever you're batting that guy. That's what we talked about for Bryce Harper for so long. Yeah, I mean the whole entire thing about having Ryan Zimmerman bat. Uh, behind him, every I mean, there was that series with the Cubs where they walked Bryce Harper like eight times because they were like, "Okay, Ryan Zimmerman's going to strike out." <laughs> so crazy. let's be honest here. So Joe Madden was a genius for that. But when you're looking at it, four and 19 in the last 23 games, obviously we waved the white flag, we threw the threw the the, the rag in in the ring, and we're like, you know what? We're just going to go out there and just try to play and try to basically just limp to the finish here, um, which is which is good. That's what we needed to do. Sure. We already knew that. We didn't want to get sit a good there draft and, pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we, we didn't want to sit there and be you know fighting for because I think you mentioned it way, 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 uh, you know, many weeks ago where you said that this is basically going to be a half to win division because you're not going to get the wild card because of the, the West. So when you're looking at it, I just think that four and 19, the last 23 games, no one really cares about that. I just think that, you know, again, once people start to realize this is going to be an extended practice for this uh, for this team when you see that Josiah Gray maybe maybe Ruiz comes up uh, we got a whole entire month and a half uh, to get going here so we need to make sure that we go in here and we use all these and by the way I mentioned Car- Carter Keboom he's had a pretty bad week so <laughs> he had three yeah. strikeouts uh, the other day and which positionally
2: I was so- has been bad I mean yeah. there was a play today that he didn't technically technically get an error for but it was just a backhanded ground ball play and yeah. he muffed it. I mean, it was something that he didn't get an error. that gave the guy the hit, but it could have been easily an error. And we're seeing right. this kind of day in and day out. I mean, this guy hasn't been playing third base very well, Mike. It's been kind of gross. Uh, yeah. Division-wise, where things stand right now in the National League, you have the Braves technically on top of the NL East you got Milwaukee um, in the central and you got San Fran in the West for the wild card right now it's Dodgers and Padres uh, with the two spots so the NL West just taking over the playoffs and then uh, in the race for you got Cincy Cincinnati Reds two games back of San Diego right now Uh, and then you got uh, the Cardinals four games back Philly four and a half Mets five and a half those are really the only teams in the hunt for the wild card there in the NL in the AL in case you're curious Tampa Bay leading the East, there. White Sox leading the Central. Houston, unfortunately, leading the West. Hate the Astros. <laughs> Oakland and Boston with the two wild card spots. With the Yankees, two and a half back. Uh, Toronto five games back. Seattle five games back. They've won four in a row. So it's going to be kind of a five team race for two wild card spots there in the uh, in the American League, and it's going to be. You know, five six team race uh, for wild card in the national league, so it still should be fun if you l- enjoy baseball, even if you're an at's fan and you're tired of watching them lose every night. There's still some fun races and some other teams you can get behind. I mean, the White Sox are a really fun team to root for. Um, you know, the Mariners making a playoff push. I mean, hell, we'd love if a team like Seattle gets in there, we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. Uh, and then You know, the Giants are kind of a fun story. I mean, we don't have – now that all those old knuckleheads – we had those battles with the Giants back in the day uh, when Bryce was on the team and stuff like that. But now at this point, it's like, who are you going to hate on the Giants? You know, it's like Buster Posey's (laughs) still on the team, and he's like one of the most light guys in the league. Is he even starting? No, I think he's been like hurt. But like uh, – but yeah, I mean, they got Mike Yastrzemski. He's a guy to root for. You know, it's it's kind of a a weird baseball season, but it's nice to just – have a a full baseball season again you know (laughs) none of this uh, 60 game crap yeah seriously all right let's get into some football mike let's let's get rid of the 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 bad baseball talk let's the washington football team yes as we talked about at the beginning they played one preseason game so far uh, another one on the way. The only quick news I wanted to point out, the the team did cut Kelvin Harmon, Lamar Miller, and defensive back Chris Miller uh, as they uh, are on their quest to trim the roster down to the, what is it, 53, 63, whatever it is, um, spots uh, here out of training camp. So Kelvin Harmon, who... Is a wide receiver that, and we are talking about wide receivers and uh, tight ends today. He will not be talked about <laughs> because he is cut. Uh, all right. I was right.
0: shocked by that, by the way. When I saw that, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, because
2: beca- uh, you're not you're not alone in that. I mean, I think that was uh, w- out of all those names, I think that was the name that would give you pause. Going, wow, okay, Kelvin Harmon's cut already.
0: Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that mainly because the sole fact that Kelvin Harmon was the guy that coming out of NC State was, I mean, he has apparently has hands like, I mean, they're like the size of elephant
2: paws (laughs) or
0: or feet or whatever you want to call it. I mean, he literally is out there doing Odell Beckham like one-handed catches uh, with the jugs machine and stuff like that. But I was just kind of shocked. Maybe there's something that's underlying the health reasons, um, but also when you're looking at the wide receiver position uh, with getting Curtis Samuel with getting Adam Humphreys. Um, that is also a really uh, big – and also drafting De'Ami Brown, that's kind of becoming a crowded position for spots. So I think they were, just like you said, they were trying to trim the fat a little bit and go with that. But also looking at guys like Isaiah Wright, uh, which we're going to get to obviously the wide receivers here in a minute. Isaiah Wright did really well last year in basically a tryout. Uh, and Steven Sims, apparently he got moved to like the third string or, or something – um, but I don't even I don't even know why he's on the team. I would have rather kept uh, Calvin Harmon over Steven Sims, but it has to be something uh, like I mentioned uh, that's underlying for Calvin Harmon to get cut. So, but I think he he'll probably end up on the Cowboys or something like that. Yeah,
2: I probably. I mean, he'll find a spot. I don't think he'll. Right. I don't think this is the last we've heard of Calvin Harmon. So. Uh, for the wide receivers, as we do our positional previews, there's a couple guys that are automatic write-ins. I mean, ones that you can put in pen, um, starting with, of course, number 17, Terry McLaurin, uh, who is obviously the stud out of Ohio State, third-round pick in 2019, uh, a very strong 2020 campaign. I mean, this guy is the cornerstone receiver, really, uh, for the franchise. And I think we saw it a little bit in that preseason game where it's like, man, I because mean, he caught a couple passes, and it's like, all right, man we're just so excited to see Terry McLaurin out on the field again cuz the guy is just a playmaker and now you got a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who isn't afraid to maybe take some shots you yeah. know and 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 send Terry out on uh, on a route and try to make something happen but there's really no doubt that Terry is the number 1 receiver on this team and he's going to be one of those guys that i think everybody in the league is going to be paying attention to this season
0: yeah i mean Terry McLaurin you saw it in the one catch that him and Ryan Fitzpatrick made Uh, Together, that nice little connection across the middle. I think it was like a post route or something. I couldn't really tell. Um, But that was beautiful. And then when you're looking at that, you know, he even said it in the interview um, with uh, with uh, Michael Silver. That basically he was having this, uh, you know, epiphany that hey, I actually have chances now. You know, they're actually going to throw me the ball where I don't have to run across the middle every single time. I can go you can deep. Just get I can killed. do yeah, I can, yeah, exactly. I can do button hooks or I can do anything like that. Uh, to the point where you know you have a quarterback that's going to be a gunslinger out there. And he said that they are building more and more chemistry in camp and more and more chemistry now in practices and so on and so forth. So I'm hoping that they can play. Uh, next game at least a half, and we can see a little bit more of what uh, they're going to be building here this year.
2: Uh, Second on the depth chart, I'd say in the wide receiver spot, of course, you got Curtis Samuel uh, brought in, uh, signed a three-year deal. 2020 stats for him, 77 catches, 851 yards, three touchdowns. uh, The uh, 2017 second rounder by Carolina out of OSU. So this is the number two guy. So you got to have kind of another weapon. um, So McLaurin isn't just double-teamed and triple-teamed and all that stuff all all day long. So you got a guy like Curtis Samuel, bring him in. You sign him to that three-year deal. You expect him to be able to produce another 25-year-old. They're the same age, uh, just an inch shorter, um, a little bit lighter than Terry McLaurin. But this is a guy who has now been in the league for a few years, and uh, it's going to be the type of guy that they're really looking to – really fit into that number two spot um, with McLaurin, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities, it seems like.
0: yeah, I believe Curtis Samuel, if I'm not mistaken, was a running back at Ohio State, um, and then he came out uh, because obviously Terry McLaurin and the other guy, I think it was, his name was like something Perry or Perry something, um, yeah. Who got, who got drafted, I believe, in the second round or something by like the Colts. Uh, so Terry McLaurin wasn't even the first uh, wide receiver from Ohio State taken right. in 2019. Um, but that's the thing. So you're looking at Curtis Samuel out there, who's a speedster as well, uh, has very good top end speed down down the sidelines. Uh, he was hurt, I believe, um, or they kept him out of the first game. So maybe we'll see him this week. But I rather yeah, you he was on
2: this. the pup list. He just got activated recently. So okay,
0: yeah. yeah. So hopefully we can see him this Friday coming up. Uh, But that's the biggest thing is, you know, you needed someone else to be a compliment to uh, Terry McLaurin because now that we know what Terry McLaurin can do, now that we, you know, know that he's going to be the bona fide number one guy that's going to go out there and get you 80 to 100 catches, uh, possibly even more than that, uh, we'll have to see about um, the the amount of targets he gets now that Fitz is there, um, but you're looking at... Curtis Samuel being that number two guy and possibly being overtaken by our next guy we're about to preview here and De'Ami Brown, possibly next year if he grows into what they think he can be. But Curtis Samuel, great pickup, three-year contract, so it's not going to be uh, you know a huge, long contract that they're going to have to sign uh, for, for many years, but we'll see what he can do. He's obviously been in Carolina, so you know, Ron Rivera knows who he is, so overall, I think that's a great signing uh, for the WFT here to have someone in there to be a compliment with the team act and try to take off some of like I mentioned last year or excuse me not last year, last week, about those underneath throws. Now that Ryan Fitzpatrick can sling it out there, Curtis Samuel is going to be that guy that's going to be going deep for those balls to actually, you know, not have the front seven be crowding the line of scrimmage for Antonio Gibson and, and uh uh Peyton Barber and uh, JD McKissick to have those swing passes. So we'll have to see what happens uh with that. But Curtis Samuel great signing.
2: I yeah, think. it seems like the 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 Washington football team is. Struggled to kind of find a complementary piece to Terry McLaurin ever since they yeah. drafted him. Uh, in the past couple seasons, they've they've kind of struggled to. All right, you try out guys like Josh Doxton or things like that? And, and you you try yeah. these different guys in these spots, and um, you know, hopefully Curtis Samuel can be that guy. I think. I think that's you'd love to see that combo out there uh, performing well. So we'll see there. But this next guy here, Deami Brown. Uh, I was actually watching some film on him earlier before the show. It, it, the rookie out of North Carolina, six foot, one hundred ninety-five pounds, four-four speed. Uh, the the knock on him coming in, kind of to the draft and, and to the season was he's he's still a little raw. Uh, he's right. a guy that's got crazy wheels and uh, kind of that raw athletic ability, but the, he still has to hone in some of his skill set, like running routes and things like that. But there's a lot of positive talk about. Uh, Diami Brown. I mean, Chris Collinsworth. I, I put. I mentioned. You know, Chris Collinsworth did mention that brown was was a, he wasn't the steal in the draft of the entire draft but he was a steal, a steal in yeah. the draft that's the thing where um you know that he thought that this was a really good pick for for the washington football team he's had a good camp so far um it's shown that he has been able to he's not a one-trick pony um he can stretch the field he can run routes so i i'm pretty excited to see this guy out there i i think right. uh it's it's going to be out there in a in a in in the regular season, not the preseason stuff. I mean, it's yeah. always fun to watch these guys in preseason. But week one, I want to see him out there and, and just let him fly a little bit here and there. I mean, the guy's got just sick, sick speed.
0: Yeah, so that's the biggest thing. Is I'm a huge, obviously, as you know, and some people out there as well know, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. So I saw a lot of UNC games, and when he's playing out there in a Mac Brown system uh, with Sam Howell, who's possibly going to be the number one pick next year, we'll have to see, uh, or maybe just the number one quarterback out there, we'll have to uh, see when that draft comes around. Obviously, he's been, you know, in a good system with a good quarterback, so. He needs to go out there and now learn how to prove himself because when you're you're on a you're in a system like UNC that's you know an up and coming system now with Mac Brown there rebuilding that program, he didn't really have to prove himself that he was one of the best because when you look at college, it's always so different because you know you have guys that are linebackers that can catch you now. Like it's not like right. you're going against a linebacker that's running four eight, you know, and you just you just burn past him every two seconds. So. I think that, like you said, a little raw with upside, Um, you know, that's what some of these guys are that get drafted in the third-plus rounds and stuff like that. But I think, like you said, I think he is a steal in the draft because of the sole fact that he has good hands, he knows how to run routes, and that's what you really want. I mean, you saw Jerry Judy, uh, who came out of Alabama a couple years ago, he was the guy— that was the route runner. He wasn't gonna burn you with speed, but he was kind of like that guy that's gonna go out there and run great routes and and make sure that you know he's gonna get open, but he's gonna get open because of his skills, not because of his speed. And that's what I like to see more. I rather have not like a John Ross guy, um, where John Ross came out and since he picked him really early, or what was the guy from Maryland, um, Darius Hayward Bay, yeah. uh, that 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 you know the the Raiders pick because he can run like 4-0 speed or something <laughs> like that, and he didn't really do anything in the NFL so I just I like the speed but I like guys that can run routes better because if you can run routes you can make teams and that's what we're going to go with another guy like Adam Humphreys which we're going to get to here in a second they also uh, remind me of a guy, uh, like was his name Steve, Stevie Miller, right? For the for the Buccaneers, uh, that, that little little guy. I don't know uh, <laughs> what, what, how big he is. I think he's pretty small, but he's also going out there like, with Mike Evans and stuff like that. Who's like six? Yeah, seven. he's out there with the uh, Giants. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. He is the type of guy, just like Wes Welker, and those guys aren't going to beat you with speed, but they are great route runners. And if you can go out there and run a route tree, that's going to get you a spot on the roster. That's what we need. And Deami Brown right now is showing that he can do that in camp. So, like you said. Once the games start, once the games matter, that's when we're gonna see what this guy has and what his potential is
2: I mean it'd be so cool if this was the three headed monster of mclaurin yeah. Samuel and brown um i mean I, and I think there is potential there I, I i think I mean this was a team that obviously receiving wise weren't great last year, um you know besides a guy like mclaurin but um I think this this gives i, I think this is a good group, and I, I'm excited to watch them Adam Humphreys, you just mentioned. Uh, he's he's going to be kind of an interesting complimentary piece as well. Uh, the, the thinking is, and what I've read, is that that he's likely to slide in here um, as kind of the slot guy, the third down guy, kind of dependable. Uh, I, I had a stat that he, he dropped three or fewer passes in all but one season, and uh, now now he's heading into his seventh season out of Clemson. Um, right. 2020, he had 23 catches uh, for 228 yards, two touchdowns but uh, he's, he's kind of one of those guys that's going to be, like I said, a slot guy, dependable, not going to drop the ball, third down play. You can go to him throughout the game when you need to, and, and he's going to make the play. He's going to hold on to the football. He's going to give you that um, just a, a, another option on offense and be kind of a dependable guy. He's been around for a while now, 28 years old, um, but he, I think he can be add a nice little element to the mix.
0: Yeah, I think when you're looking at Adam Humphreys, he's more of a move-the-chains type receiver. Yeah. So when you have someone out there like a De'Ami Brown who might need you know a, a breather for a second, you, you slot Adam Humphreys in the slot in a three-receiver set, and he's going to go out there and get you a five-, six-yard catch on third down and try to move those chains. So that's the biggest thing I think they brought Adam Humphreys in here for because I believe they brought him in prior to the draft, so they thought that he might be the third uh, third option on this team, but if I'm not, mis- I, I might be mistaken there, but I think that's the right uh, call. Uh, but when you're looking at it, I think that he's a veteran, uh, seventh season, 23 catches, 228 yards, two touchdowns. That's a guy that's going to come out there and maybe get two targets a game, possibly two, three targets a game, and he's going to be that guy that, in an important drive, if they have a four receiver set or if they have you know you know dual wide on you know on both sides, I think that he's going to be the guy that's going to go out there and run those little button hooks that are five, six yards out or. Or maybe run, uh, you know, an out pattern, you know, towards the sideline or whatever it may be, and be that guy that's going to be hauling in the catches to move the chains, and that's what this team is going to be all about because of the sole fact. Like I mentioned, we don't have that big bruiser. I said this last week. We don't have the big Derrick Henry type. We don't no. have a Najee Harris. We don't have these type of guys that can go and run in between the tackles. Now I heard Joe Theismann mention something that they're going to try to make Antonio Gibson more of a uh, a full complimentary, you know, running back that's going to, you know, be the running running first, no 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 pass catching. I was like. I don't want that for a guy that's yeah he's 6 foot 1 or whatever but he's not 260 pounds no. of of pure muscle. He's not a rhinoceros out there. <laughs> so when when you're looking at it I'd rather be, see him go out there and get two or three catches a game, and then run it for maybe 15, 16 rushes. But I don't want to see them try to make him and pound him into a in between the tackles runner because I don't think he's that. So I think Adam Humphries is a good uh, compliment because he'll go out there and he'll be that guy that goes over the middle or gets under t- – I mean, the, the, the average catch is going to be under 10 yards, but I think that's definitely a good compliment to the top three guys uh, because he might be – uh, having to go in there because if uh, Terry McLaurin or Curtis Samuel or Deami Brown have to sit out a game or something like that because of injury, it'll be a good filling guy.
2: Speaking of uh, kind of dynamic guys, shout-out to Jared Patterson who had a pretty darn good first preseason game, yeah. 10 carries, 40 yards, also four catches for 30 yards, so 70 all-purpose. Uh, real, I mean, I, I think kind of a, a lot of uh, Washington football team fans on Twitter were kind of clamoring saying, like, Hey, I know they're trying to maybe have a spot for Peyton Barber, but I think Jared Patterson's got to be the guy, you know, yeah. in, in that spot instead. And, hey, he had a really good – it's one game. Uh, let's see how he does here in, in the second week of preseason. But I just right. wanted to point that out. Uh, as far as the rest of the group here, so you've got Cam Sims, uh, fourth season out of Alabama, 32 catches last year, 477 yards and a t- touchdown, six-five, two-twenty. 220. you got to think that he will have a spot on this team – um and uh you know it's nice to have with all these other receivers being pretty small guys six foot and under it's nice to throw a six five guy in there in the mix uh every now and then
0: yeah that's the biggest thing is we don't have a guy that can go out there and be a red zone target Josh Doxson was supposed to be that guy for us and he had some speed but he was more so a tall guy that had some size to him but it just never panned out but when you're looking at it I mean, Cam Sims' average uh, yards per reception is almost 15. It's 14.9 yards. So that's why you see him go out there, and they're throwing the ball up to him, kind of like a a Calvin Johnson, like a Megatron. Shout out. out. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to to Megatron. Uh, 6'5", 220 is is an unbelievable size. And that's why I think, yeah, he only had one touchdown last year, but he was more so – thrown in there uh, because we didn't have really anybody else uh, <laughs> to throw out there for the most part. Um, but that's why I'm telling you that it's, it's becoming more and more crowded. So I think Cam Sims is a good option for this team in the red zone. He'll be, you know, fresh to go out there uh, fr- from the 20 and in and see if you can get uh, some of those jump balls against some some smaller corners that are, you know, 5'11", foot whatever it may be. Uh, but I think, hey, 15 yards of catch, that's pretty damn good if you ask me. But I think that Cam Sims – uh, you know he has deceiving speed. He can he can he can beat someone off the off the off the jump. But I think that overall he's definitely a good complimentary piece to have as depth.
2: And then for the last spot, I mean, a couple different ways you could go. You've got guys fighting for that spot. You got Steven Sims Jr., uh, who's been on this team for a bit. You've got DeAndre Carter, uh, Antonio Gandy, Golden. Um, you know, so you've got some names that are possibly in the mix one of the articles i had read was saying that they might lean towards antonio gandy golden just because of his run uh uh, run blocking abilities that they like that and and that element to it um obviously steven sims jr's name is in the mix um and and deandre carter's but it it's it seems like they would probably lean towards gandy golden do you do you think that might be the way they go
0: I was wondering as well, I mean, that obviously is a huge deal when you're one of the last receivers on the roster uh, is to have that run blocking ability. And that's what you see in all the um, the hard knocks episodes and stuff like that of whichever team is on at that certain year. They always say blocking, blocking, blocking. And they're like, you're not out there just to catch passes, you know, right. stuff like that. So when you're looking at it, if Randy Golden has that run blocking ability, then he should make the team. I would like to see if they have any idea about Isaiah Wright. I mentioned him earlier on the top of the show. Isaiah Wright, he had, I don't know exactly what his stats were last year, but he definitely had a good campaign last year, Um, you know, being that, one of the last guys on the roster for the wide receivers. He was out there catching a lot of balls left and right. Um and last year is pretty much what the the Nats are now. I mean it's, it, last year was a practice basically. Yeah, yeah we won the one the divisions surprisingly. I mean we were what? 2 and 7 right. at one point 2 <laughs> and 5 or whatever it was. So we're I necessarily thought that was
2: going for the division but ended up <laughs> yeah, just kind it, of into
0: it. Yeah, so that's when you're looking at it I think that uh now like you mentioned, Gandy Golden with the run blocking ability, but we'll have to see what what happens. Honestly, that spot really isn't going to have that much impact because mostly those guys are going to be on the special teams, uh, and you know they're going to be on the kickoffs and, and whatever, or maybe one of those uh, the gunners for the punts and stuff like that. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I think Gandy Golden, if he can run block better than everybody else, I- I'll take that.
2: Now we move on to the tight end side of things. We'll just touch on some of these guys. So, of course, we know uh, Logan Thomas uh, will be the, the first right. string tight end. 30 years old, 6'6, 248, seven years in the NFL. Just signed a three year deal. Uh, and in last year's stats, 72 catches, 670 yards, six touchdowns. Former quarterback Logan Thomas, as we all know. Yeah. And as they mention on almost every single broadcast, I feel like yeah. they like to remind you that, oh, he knows what the quarterback's doing there because he was a quarterback. It's like, yeah, we know. We know he, yeah. he was a quarterback. He, he, he,
0: was a, he was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, but didn't. I mean, he couldn't throw the ball at Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah, a
2: <problem>. <laughs> there's a reason why he's a tight end now. Uh, <laughs> but he's a pretty good tight end. Uh, and, and obviously, oh, yeah. I mean, he's a starting tight end in the National Football League. He's starting tight end for this Washington football team team and um i think this is a guy who again if he can have a pretty similar year and 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 you know put up five six touchdowns get obviously well over 500 yards and uh, i mean 50 plus catches i think that they'll be happy with the type of production they can get out of logan thomas i think
0: yeah, and now that you're seeing like we keep mentioning, Fitz is going to be the gun- gunslinger out there. I think Logan Thomas is going to get a lot more, a uh, lot more looks now. But I think he's also going to get a lot more attention from the defense as well uh, because of the season he had last year. I believe he was only behind uh, possibly Gronk and Travis Kelsey. Maybe I think there, there was or no, it was Wall. It was Darren Waller of the Raiders and yeah. Travis Kelsey. Um, and he was like behind them, and he was like the top three or four in the in the NFL. So I just think when you're looking at Logan Thomas. Like I mentioned many times before, I hated him when he was at Virginia Tech. I <laughs> thought he was a terrible quarterback. But then when you're looking at him and transitioning to that tight end spot, I mean, he's just grown into a a, a great tight end. Now, I'm not going to say he's a Pro Bowl tight end and all that kind of stuff um, because, you know, we'll have to see what he does this year with an actual quarterback uh, back there that will throw him the football. But 72 catches last year, 670 yards uh, and six touchdowns. That's a, that's a great year for a tight end, especially a guy that's going to be Basically, having that lead role as the pass-catching tight end. You know, there's no Fred Davis on this team, and there's no Jordan Reed. And we don't expect him to be a Fred Davis or a Jordan Reed uh, because Jordan Reed was out there, and he was basically a wide receiver playing tight end. Uh, Niles Paul as well. He was a a wide receiver at Penn State when he came into the league, and then he became a tight end. So when you're looking at Logan Thomas, he has the build, 6'6", basically 250. Uh, He's going to go out there and get a lot of red zone targets as well, moving the chains-type catches. Um, but when you're looking, I mean, obviously, with the 72 receptions and 670 yards, he had less than 10, 10 yards of reception. So that's what you're going to see as a, as a uh, pass catching tight end that's going to move the chains for you. But overall, when you look at the, the depth on this uh, roster, the tight ends. Logan Thomas is going to be the guy catching the balls. Not really that many other people are going to be catching balls from the tight end position.
2: Yeah, most of these other guys are probably going to be more you know, blocking tight ends and things like that. I mean, uh, of these next three, so we'll run through them quick. So Tameric Hemingway, right. uh, you know, four year experience in the NFL, another <laughs> former Carolina Panther. We sure yep. love the uh, the love Carolina those Panthers. Panthers. And then you got Ricky Seals Jones, five years in the NFL, uh, was with Cleveland in twenty nineteen. Uh sixteen games, a couple starts, fourteen catches. Uh so you got twenty eight year old in Hemingway, twenty-seven year old in, in Seals Jones, and then you got John Bates, the rookie out of Boise State, twenty-three years old, six five, two fifty, big boy. Um uh, and, uh, 12 catches. He's more of a blocking tight end as well. Of, of these three guys, is there a guy in particular that you're like, Hey, this person is going to be able to make a a big impact at this position, or is it going to be more mainly, all right, if a couple of these guys can just do the dirty work, um, be the blocking tight ends, they're not going to, they might catch a pass or two, but they're not really going to get, get many opportunities. They're more there to, uh, yeah, to do that dirty work and just make the impact of the game that way. Or there is is there one guy in particular that kind of sticks out to you for that?
0: I mean Hemingway kind of seemed like a big clunker to me out there in the first preseason game. I don't know even know what he was doing out there, uh to be <laughs> honest with you. But Ricky Seals Jones has the skill set to go out there and do some do some work. But last year was kind of a throwaway year for him. But in Cleveland, you know, two starts, fourteen catches, two hundred twenty that's a lot of, that's a lot of yards per catch, yeah. to be honest with you. So when you're looking at it, Ricky Seals-Jones has that ability, so he might go in there every now and then. Uh, so we'll see about that. But John Bates, they spent, I believe, a fourth-round pick on him, yeah. which I was shocked about that. Um, you know, Like you said, uh, I forgot what you compared him to, 6'5", what Would you call him, a big honky? I called him, call him a big boy. I called him a big boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Colin, i thought what you said. <laughs> I, thought was, I forgot what you said, honestly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> big boy. Big boy. 6'5", six, five, six, five, <laughs> 250. You know, he's probably used as blocking, but we haven't really had a blocker tight end uh, type since uh, Logan Paulson. Yeah. And Logan Paulson has True. been on the te- has been off the team for, what, three, four years? So I think that they went out there. And you know what's funny is when they drafted him, I, I forgot who said it on the broadcast uh, during the draft. They were like, you know what, he can really catch the ball too. Like, people don't think about that. He can really catch – like, he has 12 catches in one year. I mean, he literally yeah, had a catch per about? game. Yeah. Uh, they-, they said that, although I was like, that makes no sense. But 6'5", <laughs> 250, big boy, like you said. Uh, and-, and-, and I think that he's going to go out there and try to – uh, have those two tight end sets with Logan Thomas, or whoever may be out there, and try to have those goal line situations and stuff like that. Because 6'5", that, that like you said, that's a big guy. And if he starts you know, growing into his body by being in the NFL and not trying to go out there and be a wide receiver and, and cut 15, 20 pounds and try to get fast, I think when you look at it, if he puts on 15 pounds of muscle and goes out there and works on his blocking even more with professional coaches, that's going to be even more of a, of a step up for their running game uh, from the 20 in, I think.
2: So that is your tight end positional preview. We hit up the wide receivers as well. We're trying to knock all these out before the season starts next week we'll probably hit on the O-line and the D-line and then uh you know, maybe the week after that we'll finish up the defense, and I mean, who cares about special teams? I mean, <laughs> and all that sort right. of stuff. We'll focus on the main spot, spots, but Wait, Dustin Hopkins keeps missing. So, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But last week, if you missed it, we did quarterbacks and running backs, so you can go back and check that out. And we just hope the hope you enjoy these positional previews. It's always just fun to be talking football again uh, as the season is fast approaching. It's going to be here sooner than you know it. And then uh, during the season, Mike and I uh, typically record. on... On Sunday evenings and that will work out perfectly for the NFL season because the Washington football team will likely be playing a lot of Sunday afternoon games so that will be a lot of fun uh, where you will have the opportunity to get our almost immediate analysis on the game pretty much the evening of the game so that'll be that'll yeah. be really cool and then for Sunday night games or, or Monday night games you know we will we'll, we'll kind of work around that schedule but um, and then maybe uh, there'll be some live stuff, too. Uh, follow the, the contender um, for some updates there. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the DC Crossover for updates as well. The forecast for the week uh, here in D.C. You got the Nats, a couple games against Toronto. One of those is, I, I believe, on Tuesday is the YouTube game, so it won't be on TV or anywhere else. It'll be on YouTube, um, and, uh, and then they'll play three games at Milwaukee. The first place Brewers in that division. So that might be ugly. Um, Toronto's Can't wait. Can't still wait. pretty good. So that might be ugly as well. Um, but uh, And then the Washer football team preseason game versus Cincinnati on Friday at 8 p.m. Uh, and then the Wizards continue their summer league play. We're not going to focus much at all on the summer league because there's only like two guys on the team that's even going to be on <laughs> the team. So like the summer league for the Wizards, it's different than like, for example, my my Detroit Pistons, like three of their summer league starters are their starters for the actual season. So it's a little different. Um, And with the Wizards, it's like, all right, Corey Kispert's playing. He's done pretty well. He's putting up pretty decent numbers. Um, But besides that, we're not really taking much stock in the summer league. So you're not going to get big summer league breakdowns from us. They do play the Pacers on Monday, though, at 3 p.m. in case you are interested. It is final lap time. Time to hit up uh, 90 seconds of some quick analysis on big stories in sports. Here we go. Fernando Tatis Jr. returned today, Mike, in the outfield and hit can his 30-second pe- home run.
0: Can people just start pronouncing his name correctly? I'm tired of people saying, like, Fernando Tatis. Tatis. Like, like, <laughs> come on, can people just <laughs> pronounce his name right, please?
2: Well, he hit a home run today. 32 bombs on the ear. Pretty wild. All
0: right, that's pretty good. Max pretty Scherzer,
2: good. our boy. Uh, on the bump tonight for Sunday Night Baseball against the Mets, Dodgers-Mets, will you be watching, Mike? I will not be watching,
0: but at the same time, have you ever seen the movie Mad Max?
2: Uh, no, I know I need to. I know I need to. <laughs> I know it's good. Mad Max Fury Road. Shout out to him. Uh, Kisner, victorious in a record-tying six-man playoff this weekend. I, I like Kiz.
0: I Honestly, I... I forgot to put my golfers in this week, so I didn't watch.
2: <laughs> That's all right. Justin Fields gets two touchdowns in his debut. Shout out to the Windy City Breeze here on The Contender. Uh, and they're getting excited in Chi-Town, Mike, for Justin Fields.
0: Honestly, I, I hope that they don't start him because I would hope that they go out and start Andy Dalton for a game or two, see how he does, and then maybe give Justin Fields the reins after that. But starting a quarterback right off the get-go sometimes doesn't pan out too well.
2: Sam Darnold, anyone? Uh, <laughs> Roger Federer, to undergo knee surgery, in case I'm mean, just letting you know, your fellow knee surgery surgery guy, he right. will miss the U.S. Open. So, Mike, don't put him in any of your uh, your tennis bets. Okay. I,
0: I'm. I i don't plan on it, but that's the thing. I, I am salty a little bit. No, Novak Djokovic did not win the gold medal, and that lost me my parlay, which I was a little salty about because I was like, oh, that's a sure that. win. He, he had a minus, like, 350, and everyone else was, like, plus 1,000, and he lost. Oh, man, I'm still salty about that. And that was, like, two weeks ago. Ah,
2: come on, Novak.
0: I love Roger, though. Roger Federer, he's just a beast. I
2: mean, I know we don't – Big tennis guys. I mean, I'm. I it's not like I sit and watch the U.S. Open or things like that. I'll tune in every now and then, right. like, uh But it is kind of wild that in our lifetime we got Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, who are like three of the best tennis players ever. You know, and and it's like, I, I once those guys all retire, I don't think I'll be able to name <laughs> like more than one or other tennis player. I feel like. Well uh, yeah
0: I mean well th- think about it this way Roger was actually the guy that everyone's like he is the best ever to do it and then all of a sudden a doll comes around and, and everyone's like Man, he might be better than Roger. You don't no. know, and they were just going back and forth, and now all of a sudden, Novak Djokovic. Yeah. he he came, he came out of nowhere because you had Andy. What happened to Andy Murray? Andy by the Murray, way?
2: that dude used to hit. He was always fire, fire with th- his serves. Yeah, yeah,
0: he he he, he was. Are you, no, you're talking about Andy Roddick. Well,
2: Roddick you? too, but Murray right. actually had a pretty fast serve too, Mike. So
0: I I'm not I'm not an expert, but on no, the I friends. know
2: what you're talking about with Roddick. Yeah,
0: but at, 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 at the same time, is uh, so that's my mistake. I didn't know that, that you It is you're your talking. About. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but that's the thing, though. What happened to Andy Murray? though? Yeah, and he, he was like in the top three in the world, and all of a sudden he just disappeared like off the flat earth <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know where it would happen to him,
2: but yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting when those guys leave because I don't know, somebody else needs to take over the face of, of tennis as, as far as on the men's side. Obviously, on the women's side, you got Osaka and you've got some other um, kind of young stars on the women's side, but um, to take over from Serena. But right. on the men's side, it's like once those guys are gone, I mean, I'm not going to know anybody out there. <laughs> it's going to be rough. Not that I really need to. I'm not a big tennis guy. But still, hopefully hopefully we get some young stud tennis yeah, player well, that uh, we can well, get yeah, behind.
0: Well, yeah, we had Andy Roddick for like one time. We're like, man, this is awesome. And then it's all of true. A sudden, for
2: America, gonna... we haven't had like a really good tennis player probably since Andy Roddick, I would say. Right. Yeah, uh, and, I he, think he you know, was
0: American. Yeah, Andy Roddick was American. Okay, okay. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like Andy Roddick, like he had—I mean, he had the fireball serve, and every, and he had like the, the the swag all the time and stuff like that. And you're like, man, this guy's great. But he like—I remember he went to the U.S. Open, I think, against Roger Federer once. I think he lost, but or maybe it was Wimbledon. I forgot which one it was. Sure. And all of a sudden, like you know, everyone was so excited. It was like a national holiday because <laughs> we had an American guy that was you know, playing for something. But you know, the funny thing is, if you think about it. And think about how many times Nadal and Federer were like fighting back and forth. You know, Novak doesn't really have that much competition because you think about it and, and look at look at it as Nadal and 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 uh, and Federer are now on their last legs and stuff like mm-hmm. that because they're they're getting older and Novak's pretty much in his prime and he doesn't have that competition. So yeah. I don't know if you really want to say like, oh, you know, he's better th- than both of them. But I mean, he's got the skills. Don't get me wrong. But I think that when you're looking at it. If you have two guys that are going head to head every single Grand Slam, uh, you it's know, or, or, or major, or t- uh, whatever they want to call it, in tennis, you, you look at it. It's like they ha- they were going back and forth all the time, but then all of a sudden, now Djokovic is like picking up the scraps and just getting all <laughs> these all these titles, except for the Olympic gold medal.
2: Right. I mean, yeah. There you go. <laughs> a Little shade thrown at Djokovic there. Uh, let's hit up some trivia. Uh, got you. The got segment you, where Mike provides me a trivia question. It's it's. it's It's kind of hit or miss on my end. Um, Like sometimes I need a little bit of help. I need a little prodding. Ivan Rodriguez. I'm not proud of that one that I didn't (laughs) say it right off the bat. Uh, I'll say it. I have a trivia mind. I don't know if I necessarily have the DC sports trivia mind, but we'll see. I've I've answered plenty of questions right too. I think
0: you're at least sixty, seventy percent right. I would say. Yeah, I'd
2: say I'm, I'm. Which I'm okay with. I'm fine with that.
0: Hey, and this card is actually three good questions, so I might get it, keep this one out for three weeks. All right, okay. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Trivia question in uh, episode 74. Here it is. Is this the right question? There it is. Okay, I <laughs> found it. <laughs> All right. In 2014, who set the Washington Wizards single-game record by hitting 10 trays, 10 three-pointers, and a loss against the Houston Rockets? I will read it one more time. In 2014, who set the Wizards' single-game record by hitting 10 three-pointers in a loss to the Houston Rockets?
2: That is a very good question because I feel like seven years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. So that was not not old enough to be the Gill years. Um, it could be. It was
0: what 2010? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
2: thinking. Uh, I'm thinking out loud right now. I'm not telling you my formal guess. I'm think just it, throwing out some it. names. So some guys that are coming to mind. So you said 2014. Okay, uh, yep. I'm just trying to think of. So this, those were those were the playoff teams, I believe that um, were playing against like Chicago and stuff like that in the playoffs. Right, right. So those were the Nene teams, yeah, the, the John Wall teams. I don't think it's Beal. The guy that's coming to my mind because that was the Otto Porter years. A Porter is coming to my mind, and I know he had that one season that he was crazy from beyond the arc. But was that it all one, the way back? That in 2014? one season. <laughs> he did that one season where he was like leading the league in three point shooting. Um right. Maybe he wasn't leading, but he was like top three or whatever. Uh, th- he's definitely coming to mind. I don't think it would be like a Kelly Oubre, um, and I don't think it. I don't think it's Beal. So. I guess my guess. Oh, I have a question. I guess you I have can a ask. question. Is okay, um, it's it, this. This could give it away. I was gonna say, all right. How about this? I won't. I wasn't. I'm not gonna ask. Is he still on the team? I will ask. Is he, to your knowledge, still in the Eastern Conference? Uh, now you got to think about what team this guy's on. Okay, this is <laughs> kind of giving it away there. <laughs> no.
0: uh, I think. Okay. 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 Okay.
2: Then I right, look it up. My, no, it's all right. My guess is Otto Porter. Then that's my guess.
0: No. Oh, I will give, give you one more try.
2: Wow. Okay, it's not <laughs> Otto Porter. Um, it was it was a single. It was ten threes in a game or He's something. He's in the West. In the West. He's in the West, and it was ten threes in a game.
0: Yes, I thought I thought he was in the West, and I thought he was on this team. Put it this way, I will say that he played for the Houston Rockets.
2: He played for oh. He played for the Houston Rockets, but it's not I mean it's not John Wall, is it? Um, <laughs> no. I was about to say there's no way John Wall's hitting ten threes in a game. He played <laughs> for the Houston Rockets and he's a guy that was on our team back then. And it was he a starter? Like what the hell?
0: Yes, he was.
2: He was a starter and he hit is he uh, is it a Morris brother? Uh, man, I don't I, I think you got me on this one. I think uh I'm stumped.
0: It is. I think I'm stumped. Mr. Trevor Ariza. Ariza. Trevor Ariza. Man,
2: that, he he was just... 3D, my mind man. blanked on him. My mind blanked yeah. on Ariza there. I forgot. He played,
0: he played for the Rockets. Didn't he play for the Rockets after the Wiz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he didn't sign a deal for like... I don't know was, where so, he is now. He
2: might even be out of the league he's now. On the, he's on the Lakers. On the Lakers He's, the Lakers. Now, okay. he's 36 so
0: he's, years old, but I I, I thought he played... I thought he was on the heat. That's why I said yes to the to the Eastern Conference. But sure. I, I think he played for the Heat for like a season or two after Ariza. the Rockets something like
2: That's that. a good one. Yeah. That was a really good question. Like I'm not I'm not mad about that one at all. I think because yeah. uh, I, I was dancing around it. I had some other guys from that era, but Ariza, just for some reason my mind he was in my blind spot there. Cause yeah, well, cause Ariza. he's, a, he's was, a defensive guy. Yeah, a defensive nice. guy, but he was there for D and three. Like that's what he yeah. that's what he is. Um yeah. man I was trying to think if he was... Okay. All right. That was good. That was really good. I, I, I appreciate yeah. the question.
0: I was I was excited for that question because that was, was, was going to be a question that, you, that I knew that you knew, but you had to find yeah, it in the back of the you're memory. You're right.
2: Control. and You're right. I didn't pull it this time, but hopefully I'll pull it next week. Uh, the money line. The interesting news on that is that Mike and I are tied up 19 and 19. We are both yep. 500. So if you had followed all of our bets for the last 38 bets... You should be about even right now. Somehow. I don't know how all the money would break out, but we are even, which I'll say it. That's not that bad, Mike. I mean, to be 500 handicapper is not the end of the world. I mean, it's not something to brag about, but it's also not something to say like, oh, we stink at this. We're we're doing okay.
0: I mean... I. I was doing a lot better earlier when I was like four games up. You should but you the, should
2: be crushing me right now. Let's the, be honest.
0: the <laughs> the last literally the last like four weeks. I think I've gone zero and two yeah. in two of them, and been close to zero and two in a third one. Right uh, with it, with this obviously Josiah Gray's game. He was up in the fifth inning, uh, and then I forgot Tough. what the other uh, the other game was the WFT game, and obviously they missing field goals left and right and stuff like that. So obviously not a great week, but uh, we have. What two more weeks left? So we're tied up. Right. So it's best best of two weeks. So uh, we'll
2: and have to I and I, to uh, I went for it a little bit this week, Mike. I'm a little nervous about these picks. So my Tuesday will be pretty busy. My lock Tigers over Angels on Tuesday. You got Casey Mize on the bump. Um, you don't have Otani on the bump for the Angels. Otherwise, there was no way I would have picked this as a lock. Um, right. I think they I, they have some some scrub on the mound for the Angels. Remember, the Angels aren't. Str- are, besides the fact that they have like one of the best players in baseball, they aren't that very good of a baseball team. My Detroit yeah. Tigers are now second place in the division. They may have dropped down to third with the loss today, but regardless, I'm picking Tigers over Angels on Tuesday, and then I'm picking our Washington Mystics over the Aces on Tuesday as my upset. And of course, Mike. The Mystics are beating the Aces at half today on Sunday by 15. Ooh. And you got to think that they're going to probably beat the Aces tonight and then they're going to lose on Tuesday, the game that I picked. Right, so right, <laughs> that's right. how it's going to
0: well, go. Well, that was like last week when I, or two weeks ago when I picked the one game the Tigers lost in the series. Right, right. Uh, right, right. Casey Mines helps, helps you. It doesn't help me, but though. <laughs> the Aces
2: are a pretty good team, they're f- 15 and 6. The Mystics are 8 and 10. So definitely an upset there. Uh hopefully. Hopefully, but hey, maybe them beating the Aces tonight will help me. Maybe it'll show that okay, hey, actually these guys these guys have a chance of beating them on Tuesday. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
0: So we'll see. So my picks, obviously they've been trash over the last 4 weeks or so. My lock is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers oh, wow. over the Toronto Argonauts. Okay. So apparently the CFL has commenced.
2: Remember and, we uh, used to do like, CFL was about to picks? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, because yeah, we, we, we would sit there. I think, I think it was for uh, WGME. It was, yeah, no, it was, it was WGB, but it was also the, the TV show. So oh, we had the yeah. TV show. And we did we did a lot of that with the whiteboards and stuff like that. Right. Um, but we used to pick CFL a lot. Uh, <laughs> but, I don't uh, know
2: why. We knew nothing about it. Keep it. <laughs> we, we
0: were like, oh, the the, the Tiger Cats. No you know? idea. We just picked, like uh, whoever
2: has a cooler name.
0: Yeah, yeah. Seriously, but I got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are two and zero against the. I think I believe the one and one Toronto Argonauts. Sure. Uh, so uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. I believe that's on Tuesday, so it might be a, a plentiful Tuesday Oof. for us. Busy, busy um, betting Tuesday. Yeah, and then my upset is the Nats over the Jays on Wednesday with my man Josiah Gray. I'm going with him yet again on the bump, so gonna be my second time in a row, uh, and I'd rather bet on him than Casey Mize because Casey Mize just, you know, he, <laughs> lost, a, he lost a big game. Yeah, uh, I like I like week. the pick.
2: I like the pick. I mean, will the offense be there for the Nats is the question, but... That's the one
0: thing about the the offense is not that bad though. The yeah. offense has, I mean, they've scored around like three to five runs every game. True, so true. That's fair. I mean, who who, who knows? Honestly, I, I I don't really care anymore. I just <laughs> I just care about seeing seeing some good baseball from our young guys. So who
2: knows? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Th- you're right. That's a fair point. I mean, like today they put five, I think five runs across. That should be enough to win a baseball game. It, it they didn't. Um, <laughs> they and some did. of these other games. Yeah, I mean, if you put up four or five runs across, in theory, that should be enough to win you a game. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening to this episode. We will be back next week to do um, uh, some more positional group breakdowns. Uh, We'll probably be talking the latest on the Nats losing, probably, and uh, maybe uh, kind of recapping the summer league for the Wizards and maybe even some Caps news and talk. I don't know. It's hard with the hockey stuff. We'll be probably not getting into that until the season starts because there's not really that much preseason stuff we're going to really be talking about too much but right. um but yeah besides that it's football time it's football time uh, you heard the draft kings read here at the beginning of the episode uh please go check that out and then also uh check out the contender download the app uh download the contender app that's contender with a k and you can stream us live uh when when the show airs and listen to the other content you can also listen to the podcast episodes through the app too so uh yeah definitely feel free to check it out and we appreciate it. Follow us on social media at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone16. Any final thoughts, Mike, before we call it a night?
0: Not, not too much. Uh, I'm just I'm just thrilled to have a new sponsor in the yes. building with DraftKings. So that's really nice. As you heard, Ben's lovely voice in the beginning of the episode. Right, so right. definitely uh, spread the word. Try to get us some download numbers. That's basically um, how our new network, uh, which we will disclose uh, another episode here coming up, Uh, We will disclose all that information. We also have something else in the works that might be starting up here uh, very shortly as well. So um, a lot of things happen, a lot of gears turning in this clock. So we shall see.
2: Yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on. And we appreciate you sticking with us, the faithful fans of the DC crossover. And uh, yeah, continue to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hope Max has a good start tonight on the bump for Sunday Night Baseball. And uh, besides that, we will see you guys next week. This has been another episode of La DC See you guys.